Welcome to our podcast for generations in family business, past, present, and future. Our hosts for this podcast are myself, Tim Schuster, and I'm a manager in the Center for Family Business Excellence. And along with me is Matt Kersner, as always. Hi, this Hi. is Matt Kersner. What's up, Matt? <laughs> How are you? A senior manager in the Center of Family Business Excellence. And today, today, we have a special guest, Nancy Vilakis from IQEQ. And today, we'll be discussing the family office environment. Nancy, great to have you here today. Oh, thank you so much, um, Tim and Matt, for having me. Of course. Uh, Pleased to be here and pleased to share my expertise uh, with your with your clients, with your family office, uh, for, with the family offices that work with you. That's fantastic. Welcome. You want to yeah. tell us a little bit about yourself and you know your firm IQEQ? Yeah, sure. So my name is Nancy Velakis. For about 14 years, mm -hmm. I worked in private equity and in hedge funds, in investor relations and fundraising. Yeah. Some with some pretty big groups, and um, I'm currently. Uh, business Development Director with IQEQ. IQEQ is an investor solutions firm. Um, we focus on, out of our New York office, we focus on private equity administration, and one of our service lines is helping families with a multitude of different things uh, in a bespoke way because, frankly, most of the families that I've come in contact with over the course of my career um, have varied uh, needs and, and varied sort of needs and wants needs and and wants but needs. also um you know the internal structures of their yeah. offices tend to not be the same it's not a one-size-fits-all scenario when it comes to the family office em environment so and i hope Great. that's one of our takeaways today from our yep. podcast as people are listening to this that we're going to really be doing a more of a deep dive into the family office environment so what mm -hmm. is actually the family office environment yeah. let's talk about that yeah sure i mean that's a fairly broad term, I would say, yeah. the family office environment. In my experience on the alternative uh, asset management side, family offices are investing in hedge funds and private equity firms in record numbers. And increasingly, over the last couple of years, they're investing in co-investments or they're going direct into deals to save themselves on fees. So, um, But the family office environment can be very broad in terms of how it's structured. So a family office could be running money as a result of uh, a, a, someone who, who set up a very successful business and that business had a liquidity event and then there's money to be managed. That money could be managed by the, the prior owner of the business or the prior owner of the business and his family or he could hire a team, he or she could hire a team or um, you know there could be a vast build out of an investment team that looks almost like a private equity firm or a hedge fund firm inside of the family office. So I've seen a broad diversity of structures and a broad diversity of kind of uh, complexity and also uh, levels of investment expertise within the family office environment that I am familiar with as a result of my background. Perfect. So Nancy, I have a question. So could you tell us, you know, when we work with families, they might have a family office already or they might mm -hmm. be thinking of starting one. What is the best way for someone like Tim and I who are working with families, mm -hmm. and let's say they have a family office already, but they want to take some um, opportunities to be diverse in their investments. Sure. What, what kind of advice and counsel can you give people like Tim and I who are working with these families on what they should be thinking about or doing? So you know, to the extent that families are not diverse in their investments, and that's really the primary way that families approach wealth protection versus risky wealth creation. 
course, people want to see an appreciation in their investment, but diversification is sort of the first thing that people consider. But if families are looking to build out a team or they're looking to explore options within, um, you know, kind of within the, the available universe of firms that could, could be either hired or professionals that could be, either hi could be hired to help them out to assess investments, um, you know, I think that the important thing is to, to not rush the gate to explore all potential options, whether it be a consultant, a known consultant, or a lesser consultant that focuses on families, whether it be kind of joining a, a, a professional organization that exposes them to all of the current investment strategies that families and institutional investors are putting money to work in. But I think it's important to, to really be thorough in that exploration process to make sure you're finding the right talent. Um, I think often a pedigreed background experience with the investments that you're looking to get involved with or to put money to work in is critical. Um, but certainly to the extent that you want to be diverse, you might want to find someone who's more of a generalist who understands a multitude of strategies to help you get over the hump if that's where you're at and you want to understand where you can put your money to work so, and, and where the risks are in, in private equity or in hedge funds or in co-investments mm -hmm. and what the benefits of getting involved in each of those spheres are and what the downside of getting involved in so each let, of those spheres. So let's say I'm working so, with a family yep. and uh, the next generation is starting to really you know, get interested in investing in, in these diverse opportunities and sure. and they've never really dabbled. I'm just going to use an example of real estate, yeah, right? Sure. They've never dabbled in Great real example. estate before. Sure. So, you know, what would what does your firm do or your organization do or, or people like your organization, mm -hmm. how sure. do they work with them to help them understand what they need to know? Sure. So my organization, IQEQ, provides uh, most specifically a middle office portfolio monitoring solution that is bespoke, that is customizable, that is not cost prohibitive, and that can help families assess what they have in their portfolio currently, all the way down to the underlying. Sometimes um, families may be looking at their varied investments but not analyzing them across geography or not analyzing them across sector strategy bucket. Or, or maybe um, not analyzing them across liquidity profile. Can I trade this today or do I have to hold on to it for 10 years? What are the fees? So the middle office portfolio monitoring product that we have through Tableau is customizable, is cost effective, and helps families understand what's in their book currently. And if they're gonna add something into that book, how would that additional investment, whether it be a fund, whether it be a co-investment, whether it be a purchase of a property, how would that broaden out my pool in terms of diversification? How would that help me mitigate risk? Or am I too concentrated? Mm -hmm. You know, if I'm looking to go into real estate for the first time, is it best to go into real estate in the uh, in the location that I am in now? Because yeah. I know yeah. the, mm -hmm. you know, if I know the Tampa, Florida area, that's where my families live forever. Do I want to go into something I know? Or do I want to invest in something like a REIT that would give me a broad diversification? Mm -hmm. You know, I think I think going slow and trying to find a trusted advisor who understands that investment strategy better than you do, but not pulling the trigger quickly because it's just a, it's a friend, someone I knew from college or, <laughs> Happens you know. all more often than not, actually. <laughs> <laughs> I have yeah. a bridge. Yeah. My friend. Yeah, my right? friend Brooklyn over bridge. here. Right? I have a bridge for I think you. Stepping, yeah, right, right. Yeah. But yeah, you know, my, I guess the, I guess the example of the classic diamond dealer, right? I have yeah. a friend. You know, I think the, the wise thing for families to do is to inquire outside of that initial sphere of friends and family. 
there's no need to pull the trigger immediately on a kind of an investment advisor that you believe is, is, you know, that, that everyone else is using. You might, right. frankly, want to step outside that sphere, explore other options, maybe not pull the trigger, but learn a little bit more about what's out there before jumping into expensive investments that may be direct investments with no fees, but may not provide diversification, um, or maybe investments that you're not prepared to analyze fully, and then later down the line you realize, oh gosh, if I had had looked at this a little more closely, maybe I would have been more cautious. That makes sense, and yep. actually that kind of goes hand in hand now with how often should someone really be assessing that portfolio? Mm. You know, I mean, yeah. especially now we're talking about diversification. You know, we could be talking about real estate, but what would be a good gauge as to saying, hey, we should judge once a year, once a quarter per se? What do you think, Nancy? Sure. I mean, I think. When it comes to private portfolios, so real estate holdings that are going to be in your portfolio for 10 years, or even private equity funds that are going to be in your portfolio for 10 years because you have a lockup, um, you want to be assess. you know, for the most part, people tend to assess their portfolios on a quarterly basis. That's the standard. Unless you're trading securities that are um, either moving around, or there's some volatility on a daily basis, if you're more in the equity sphere, then you may want to be assessing on a daily basis. But quarterly is sort of the wise choice for families who are first looking to set up formal processes around their investment uh, analysis. And then annually for private investments is fairly standard. You have an auditor come in mm -hmm. and really assess the value. Uh, do, do value you, know, you have a valuation person come in, you have an auditor come in and really assess what's going on with that private holding at year end is the standard. So I think those two general metrics are good, um, unless it's it's a it's you're purely in public securities, public equities, you know, uh, you know, freely traded uh, securities, yeah, wherein yeah. you, on a daily basis, there are marks, or and maybe the there's a period of volatility in the market where things are shooting up and shooting down. You may want to take a closer look at that time, um, but yeah, quarterly and annually, I'd say makes so, sense. So Nancy, could you? you know, walk our audience through if they needed to reach out to an organization like yours, mm -hmm. you know, and they're really, they're, you know, again, they're just starting out. They had that liquidity event. Right. They're working with Eisner Amper. They're working with a Merrill Lynch or Goldman Sachs. Yeah. You know, and they're starting to think about their wealth management processes. Yes. You know, mm -hmm. can you, you know, one, how does your organization kind of get injected with the family? How do they get intro introduced, right? What's How does the process work? Sure. And then give us like a high overview of the steps that you follow to start your process with the family. So when it comes to families, my experience has been that they want to get to know you, perhaps with a modest bit of business first, and then grow into their larger needs. They often have many needs. And if they get to know you and you become a trusted right hand, then they're willing to do many to work with you on many service lines but sometimes we start with something as small as you know cash reconciliations on a monthly basis in other instances we we do jump right to the middle office or the, some arguably would say it's front office portfolio monitoring it depends on who at the firm is going to use it um, at, so that people can assess what they have because depending on how organized or standard the investment process has been up until the point they they call us in you know they they may 
be a bit surprised to understand the full exposure, and that can oh, yeah. be a real eureka moment. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, the first time you have that, <laughs> yeah, you're sorry. like, whoa, yeah. I had no idea. It depends on how families have structured their investment teams in the past. When we come mm -hmm. in, you know, mm -hmm. I do believe our approach is correct for families for the most part. They do have bespoke organizational processes. They're not all doing it the same way. Mm -hmm. um, I would say post-credit crisis, I saw more families kind of hire the Goldman guy who was displaced, and so there's more expertise in some instances. And then in other instances, there are uh, people within the family who are pulling the trigger on investments that maybe don't have any investment experience, um, but feel compelled by a certain sector, or are very excited about you know, crypto. Yeah, oh, crypto is a big thing right now. It's a big, very trendy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, and those trends do sometimes make people money, but I would be cautious if I opened up a family's portfolio and it was 90% crypto, especially right now. <laughs> so, <laughs> I also what happened? Bitcoin. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess we kind of, you know, coming back to that theme of diversification, but also I would say kind of a sober watch and see investment process because trends can be very fly by night in the financial services world and you know it is very good to have more classic investments as a bedrock for more speculative investments if you want to go the crypto route you know hypothetically speaking that makes sense yeah well nancy let me tell you thank you so much for being with us today and matt you. it's always a pleasure as always as thank well my you, friend Tim. always a pleasure well, so, Nancy, how does someone contact you if they have additional questions? Sure. Uh, you can email me at nancy.vilakis at iqeq.com. That's N-A-N-C-Y dot V-A-I-L-A-K-I-S dot com. And thank you for listening to Generations in Family Business, Past, Present, and Future, as part of the Eisner Amper podcast series. If you have any questions or there's a topic you'd like us to cover, email us at contact at eisneramper.com. Visit EisenRamper.com for more information on this and a host of other topics. We look forward to have you listen in on our next Eisner Amper podcast.